0: So good to see everybody. Welcome uh, to church, y'all, as they say around (laughs) here. Um, I'm thrilled to have you with us. And if uh, we don't know one another, um, I'm Ashley. And for these next uh, several Sundays, as you may have heard if you get our newsletter and otherwise you may have not heard, that we're going to be doing something a little bit different, both for me personally and I believe for us here at Christ the King, which is um, stepping away from the lectionary a bit, the sermon text that's assigned to us, to spend these next four weeks through the month of August uh, doing a kind of series, what we're going to call a Welcome Sundays uh, series. And I just need to give a kind of disclaimer. Here at the onset, uh, to say, um, I in 15 years of doing ministry, don't think I've ever done a sermon series for four weeks away from the lectionary. So, I just to put you at ease, this is not like a thing I do or a habit that I have of moving away from the Bible, so that we can talk about uh, who we are as a church. Um, who we are as a church is always first and foremost going to be um, centered in the person of Jesus. And so we're always going to be coming together to um, take communion and read the Bible and um, hear from the Lord together. That's going to be our habit. And yet it, um, it occurs to me that probably for a number of you, I mean, I'm new here, so you don't know me. Um, and I'm getting to know all of you, but we're still all getting to know one another, you know, figuring things out together. And um, anytime you're embarking on something new, it's probably a good idea to have some sense of like who we are and where we're going you know, um, as you all are trying to figure out, like, is this a community that I could call home? Do I want to be a part of what God's doing at Christ the King? And I don't, like, pretend to have all the answers. I, this is not like me for four Sundays giving you this grand declaration, you know, some vision from on high about what God's going to do. I suspect, just like real life, we're going to have to feel our way there. But I did think that it was probably would be helpful for us to spend some time together thinking about what it is that sort of marks this community as distinct. Uh, Who is it that we want to be? And in particular, how does this tradition factor in to who we are and what we're about? Because I suspect, I hope actually, that most people who make their way to Christ the King end up here because you're good friends (laughs) Um, and because they see Jesus in you, not because we're Anglican. Uh, But that being said, there will be people who are curious probably about this church because we're Anglican and that may mean a lot to you because you have a lot of experience in that tradition or it means nothing to you at all and you don't really have a lot of experience in that tradition. Um, Either way, there are some I think kind of core things that would be helpful for us to all be able to say we know together, you know, in case people are curious, like what does it mean to be Anglican? Um, for you to say, I don't really know. That's just like the church I go to. Uh, It's fine. Um, But if you're curious to be able to say more than that, then that's kind of what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. How does this tradition serve us in our efforts at following Jesus? So that's kind of the next thing I I want to say. Um, I love this tradition. I did not grow up in it. Um, Several of you in this room are much better Anglicans than I will ever be already. Uh, And yet, Uh, I really have come to love it and see it as a gift that the Lord has given me in my efforts at following Jesus, which I've been doing for all of my life, really. I was baptized um, in the Baptist church when I was nine, and I've never gotten over Jesus or His Word. What I love about this tradition is that at a time in my life where I felt a little bit lost in what it would mean for me to, like, be a Christian, Jesus was never up for grabs. I just can't shake Him. I've tried. Um, I went through my moment. Um, I just can't get rid of him. But uh, I did feel lost as a Christian. Like, how do I practice this faith, though? You know, like, what do I do apart from just thinking good thoughts about Jesus? And um, I felt really lost. And this tradition gave me tracks to run on is maybe a helpful analogy. You know, when you don't, if the train's going to, like, just veer off and go anywhere, the tracks help to keep it on course and that's how I've come to think about and feel about um, this tradition. Uh, this tradition is a vessel, uh, and all the really good stuff is on the inside, you know. Um, it's a it's a road or a way to walk on as you're trying to follow Jesus. Uh, but here's the thing I want to say about that: nobody who ever went for a walk with Jesus was distracted by how good the road was. You know what I mean? (laughs) And forgot the one they were walking with. That just literally never happened to him. People were not distracted by the scenery when they were walking with Jesus. He's just too good. He's always going to take up the most space, and he should. Similarly, um, I love drinking good wine out of a good wine glass. It matters, apparently. Um, But if the wine is really good, you don't notice the glass, you know? Similarly, I want our life here, together, to always be firstly and foremost about Jesus. We're here because of him. Um, We're gonna be held together by him and his spirit. This is all because of him, for him, and will be through him. He's the center. And yet, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And what I love about the tradition is I happen to think that this is a really good vessel, that these tracks are really helpful, practically, and in other ways for like, our formation, what it means to try to like, keep up with him, follow him, stay close to him. Um, so if you're, if you're curious about that, and you have friends who might be, then this is a good time to invite them to come here and check it out. We're also going to do uh, a study at mine and Josh's house, uh, just in Johnson. And for four weeks, we're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive into bits of the Anglican history and tradition. Again, I'm no expert. All I can do is share out of my own experience and tell you what's been meaningful and helpful for me. Um, but the real goal of that time will just be to hang out and have, have fun uh, and um, maybe drink a beer together. So <laughs> if you care very little about being Anglican, but you like good people and good beer, then you should come. That's what I'm saying to you. In that space, we'll get into more of the particulars. Uh, but today, I was thinking that the thing we would focus on maybe to start The thing maybe that um, I think immediately really made me ask the question originally, I wonder if I'm like Anglican. I'm Christian, of course, but what if I was an Anglican Christian? Um, And that was something known as the Via Media or the Middle Way. Uh, Anglican tradition has throughout history at certain times been known as uh, the Via Media or what's called the Middle Way. Uh, This expression has been used to describe a core Anglican value, looking for the middle ground between extremes. Um, That is, if if you hear that, and that sort of marks your personality, um, then you're gonna be right at home in this tradition. That is just the Anglican sensibility, you know? Um, Keep calm and carry on, as they say. Uh, And yet, in some ways, I think that can be unfair, and it doesn't say everything. um, Because there are certainly times in this world, and there have been throughout history, in which having deep passions and deep convictions um, is the call of a Christian, you know? Um, if we're not careful, sometimes cowardice can masquerade as neutrality, you know? Uh, so I want to be one thing and not the other, you know what I mean? I want to be a person of real conviction. Um, being Anglican does not mean we're, you know, ah, we just don't really care, you know? We're neutral. We're, we're not always. Um, but there is something here that I think really matters, or it's been helpful for me just as a Christian. We don't have time to go into the details of Anglican history. I uh, will do more of that when you come to the study, if you do. Uh, but you'd need to know that Anglican tradition originated uh, in England. That's where we get our name. At a time when there was a massive reform movement happening in the Catholic Church. It was happening on the continent of Europe, and it made its way into Britain by virtue of the way, like all movements make their way other places, through people, through really devout and committed Christians, Catholics, many of them, people who loved the Catholic Church but really did believe that there needed to be reform. Um, The state, the church of the state, the religion um, that was the Catholic Church, or at least parts of it at the time, had become almost um, unrecognizable or very hard to reconcile with the teachings of Jesus. Um, that being said, I just want to say this kind of as a, off to the side. Um, I grew up hearing most of my life that if, they, if someone was Catholic they probably weren't Christian. Uh, and I just want to say that one of the gifts of this tradition has been rethinking um, all of that and repenting in large part by how I have viewed other Christians and their faith. Um, that being said though, there was real need for reform. Um, the, the state church had become um, so aggressive in its political ambitions and its exercise of raw power that people were having trouble um, being able to say with any authenticity, how is this, remind me again how this is Christian. (laughs) What does this have to do with Jesus? I just, one more time for me. And um, the answer was in certain parts of very little. And so this reform breaks out, right? People who like love the church, but want to see it more closely aligned to who Jesus is. And it makes its way uh, into England. People were calling for reform, though, along a spectrum, which is always the case. There were two ends of the the spectrum, two extremes. On one end of the spectrum, you had people who were ready to just um, be rid of the Catholic Church. If it was Catholic, it was corrupt. And so it just needed to come down, um, all the way down. So, anything that reminded them of the Catholic Church, be it the Pope or priests or big, fancy buildings, it was gone out on the other end of that reform movement. There were people who were like, "Oh, I like being Catholic. <laughs> I think this really ancient way of following Jesus has probably made its way to us for good reason. The really good things here I want to hold on to, you know um so they held on and maybe held on too tightly. On this end of the spectrum, people became aggressively Catholic. And anyone who didn't agree with their way of being Catholic was a heretic. Um, and So they started to try to snuff out anybody who wasn't Catholic in the way that they wanted them to be. You have people over here who are anti-Catholic, people over here who are anti-Protestant or Reform. Maybe is a better way of saying it. Um, and y'all, a lot of people died. This wasn't just like, you know... Uh, comment section fighting. These weren't just nasty tweets exchanged back and forth. Um, There was a lot of bloodshed, a lot of Christians who died over this kind of bitter, bitter battle. And then in the middle, you might say, there were people who felt themselves homeless, spiritually homeless, politically homeless. They didn't know where to go. And those people started trying to draw from both ends of this extreme, pull out the best parts in order to pave a way forward, a middle way. Now we look back at that history and some of us may think, well, it's just kind of, I mean, it sounds so medieval, uh, archaic even, to imagine people killing each other in the streets over the degree to which they were or were not Catholic, over how they felt about the Pope, for example, or communion. Impossible to imagine almost. But as I look around, I don't know about you, um, that world gets harder or less and less hard to imagine. Do you know what I mean? Um, Bitter battles within and without the church are making up more and more of our life together. People becoming more radicalized by where they see themselves on either end of a spectrum. You've got, you know, the religious right on one end. You've got the progressive left on the other, and everybody is on either end of that spectrum is very sure that the other one is the problem, and that you know it all needs to come down, and this all needs to come down. And I talk to a lot of people who increasingly find themselves feeling spiritually homeless, politically homeless. Like, where do we go? I had coffee with someone the other day who actually said to me, I just wish there was a third option. Being Anglican is not the third option, I hate to tell you. I <laughs> wish I could say, I've got good news for you. We can all be Anglican and it will get rid of all of our problems. All we need to do is just start coming and praying the prayer, prayer book. I can't, I can't say that's just not true. And yet what I do know, what I love about this tradition is that at its best, being Anglican was forged out of a desire to pave a way forward in a really bitter and embattled time. A group of Christians who wanted to be known for what they were building, not what they were tearing down. Amen. Amen. For people who had hope in the church and in Jesus, who had seen the good that was really and truly there, and who believed in the need for reform, trying to make a way forward together and when i learned that history that was the thing that really resonated the most with me because i like my friend that i had coffee with the other day do find myself often feeling like man what if we could pull from the best of both and make a way forward that would be great um so i want to say that being said if you find yourself as someone who is maybe actively feeling like you are deconstructing your way right out of being Christian. Or conversely, you're really nervous about the kind of social instability that seems to be plaguing our country and our young people right now. And so like deconstruction for you feels like a really bad thing. Regardless, I I wonder if Maybe the Lord isn't for you, not because of Christ the King, not because we're Anglican, but because Jesus lives. (laughs) If he isn't trying to get people together who are not able to find a home at either end of the spectrum and say, could we, though, choose the narrow way? Could we pave a way forward together so that we would be known by what we're building, what we have hope in, not what we're against or what we're afraid of? but where our hope really lies. And I do not mean that that is easy. This is not like kumbaya, get around the fire, we'll all just be Christian and it'll be okay. I know it's harder than that, trust me. I know it's harder than that. But I do wonder that if we started focusing more intentionally, unapologetically, on the things that brought us together in the first place, y'all, our core commitments, who Jesus is, the kingdom that he believes in, hopes for, lives for, not just way back then, but now. He has not changed. Jesus could not identify with any of the popular political parties of his day. He didn't. He couldn't. And I suspect if that was true then, that's probably true now. He has always, though. And willing to look at people to say, if you will choose to follow me, the way is narrow, but it leads to life. The popular options are easy to find. They're broad. Lots of people can find their way to them. Following Jesus is harder. It is more narrow. But, y'all, it is life. It is life. It is isn't him. And that's who I want us to be. I want us to be known for, marked by the presence of Jesus in our church. And that will mean that we will have to be people who pray. (laughs) Um, Because the answers are not easy to find. The way forward is not easy to find. And at times it will mean and has mean for me as a Christian that I will look at really smart friends and say, I agree with you like 85%. And this other 25%, I cannot go with you there. I will look at my friends over here and say, I love you. I agree with you like 85%, but I can't go with you there. You have to go another way. And I think this tradition is built to help us find it by keeping our minds, our hearts, our attention open to things old, so we look backwards, and it's meant to push us forward. So here's the last thing I want to say. The word, just like prepare yourself for a nerd moment. The word tradition shares the same root as the word traitor. Both words carry a similar connotation of handing something over, right? Tradition is meant to be handed over, your friends are not. Either way, they share a connotation. So at its best, in a relay race, right? If a person's running a relay and they have a baton in their hand. The job of the person running is to make sure they can take the thing they're holding and hand it off in a way so that the person meant to receive it gets it. You know what I mean? If I do my job well, I'll carry this thing in such a way that it's easy to pass off so that that person can grab it and then take it where I'm not meant to go. The idea that Jesus was just some freewheeling hippie who just went around praying whenever he felt like it. Communion was his pizza or whatever his first century version of that was, is just not true. (laughs) Jesus was a devout Jew. He was steeped in the traditions of his ancestors. He was a practicing Jew. He was intentional about his faith. When he gathered for worship, there were rituals always have been because we need things to hold on to y'all when our feelings can't be trusted when our minds run away with us something has to call us back to the center we need an anchor that holds and my feelings are not substantive enough to be that for me nor is my mind so Jesus did this really brilliant thing of honoring the tradition from whence he came And challenging it when it didn't meet the moment. So here's what I want to say about that. When Thomas Cranmer, I think taking his cues from Jesus, he's the guy who wrote your prayer book. The prayer book that we get our worship from. When that guy, moved by the reform, went to pave a way forward, he took his cues from Jesus. And rather than writing the Book of Common Prayer in Latin, which was the worship language at the time, what did he write it in? English. Why? Because he had to hand it off to people who could get it in a way that would help them become more truly, genuinely Christian. They needed to be able to understand it. So he put it in English, novel, provocative at the time, you know. He also used a printing press, he printed a book using what was at the time cutting edge technology. So that being said, we may be Anglican in this room. That does not mean that we are going to moralize screens or drums. Do you know what I'm saying? We're going to be thoughtful about how we hand this off to the people that in Jesus' name are going to carry this faith forward. My kids, your kids, your neighbors. We're going to have to do that prayerfully. There's not a playbook or a rule book. For any generation, there never has been. There's the only book that matters, and that's your Bible and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And apparently that's all we need, or the Lord would have given us more. So we're going to have to do the best we can with what we've got. Jesus says, and I'll close here in the passage that we read together. He says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom Do not be afraid. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, if you follow Jesus, you can be free from the prevailing cultural norms and narratives. You don't have to be afraid. Marked by scarcity, losing your country or losing your faith or losing your brain or what people think of you, you don't have to be afraid. Give, Jesus says, and stay close to me. Give and stay close to me and I'll show you a better way. So that's what we're going to do. I hope in Jesus' name. He's not the middle way. He is the way. It's just narrow you know and I suspect because if it were not we would not pray and I think we're meant to pray yeah amen Holy Spirit we ask you God we offer this church to you and we ask you Lord now bless us as we pray may we be people Lord even now beginning now who are known by our commitment to you Jesus and our heart for you and your people and may it be reflected, Lord, in the way we pray. Amen. Join me together in praying the prayers of the people. I just invite you to assume a posture of prayer.